Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. I wanted to kick us off today by thinking about an important woman from the civil rights movement in America. I want us to think about Rosa Parks for a minute. So I'm sure most of us know what Rosa Parks is famous for, but I'll give us a quick refresher. Now, Rosa Parks was an American civil rights activist who fought against racial segregation and injustice in the United States. Now, she's probably most famous for what she did on the 1st of December, 1955. Now, in Alabama at the time, where Rosa Parks lived, there was racial segregation on the buses. So there was one section for white people to sit and another section for black people to sit. But what made the situation even more unjust than it already was is the fact that there was an assumption that if the section for white passengers was full, black passengers would give up their seats from their section to white passengers. So there was serious injustice going on. But one day, Rosa Parks took a stand against this injustice. As she was sat down in the section for black passengers, the bus driver then ordered her to give up her seat so that one white man could sit there instead of her. But Rosa Parks refused to go along with the injustice. She stood her ground, and for standing her ground, she was then arrested. However, the way that she stood her ground and was arrested, then prompted a year-long movement of protests in Alabama. The buses were boycotted for about a year because of this segregation. And then, after this battle going on for a year, it was declared by the courts that segregation was unconstitutional and illegal. And the thing is, that victory for justice, it came from one person showing integrity, one person standing the ground. And I think that story it shows us the power of integrity when you feel powerless. Now think about it, Rosa Parks was African-American and she was a woman, which meant in 1950s Alabama she had very little power. Whilst the man who was trying to take a seat and the bus driver and the police, they all had power and influence and they were abusing that power. But what gave Rosa Parks real power, despite her maybe feeling powerless, was her integrity. In many ways, it would have felt easier for Rosa Parks to just go along with the injustice, to not kick up a fuss, but she showed true integrity and bravery. And I believe the passage we're going to read today from the Bible also shows us an example of true integrity. In today's passage, we're going to see the power of integrity when you feel powerless. So before we read the passage, just a reminder, we're in our God Meant It For Good series in the book of Genesis. And last week, we looked at Joseph's brother, Judah. But the week before that, we were looking at how Joseph's brothers turned against him and sold him to slave traders who then took him to Egypt. So up to now, Joseph is having a very rough time. But I'm going to read the passage, which is Genesis chapter 39, if you want to follow along in your Bibles. So it says, Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar An Egyptian officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the bodyguard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, so he became a successful man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Now his master saw that the Lord was with him 
and how the Lord caused all that he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight and became his personal servant, and he made him overseer over his house, and all that he owned he put in his charge. It came about that from, time to, from the time he made him overseer in the house and over all that he owned, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house on account of Joseph. Thus the Lord's blessing was upon all that he owned, in the house and in the field. So he left everything he owned in Joseph's charge, and with him there he did not concern himself with anything except the food which he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. It came about after these events that his master's wife looked with desire at Joseph, and she said, Lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, with me here, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house, and he has put all that he owns in my charge. There is no one greater in this house than I, and he has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great evil and sin against God? As she spoke to Joseph day after day, he did not listen to her to lie beside her or be with her. Now it happened one day that he went into the house to do his work and none of the men of the household was there inside. She caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and went outside. When she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and had fled outside, she called to the men of the household and said to them, See, he has brought in a Hebrew to us to make sport of us. He came into me to lie with me, and I screamed. When he heard that I raised my voice and screamed, he left his garment beside me and fled and went outside. So she left his garment beside her until his master came home. Then she spoke to him with these words, The Hebrew slave whom you brought to us came into me to make sport of me. And as I raised my voice and screamed, he left his garment beside me and fled outside. Now when his master heard the words of his wife, which she spoke to him, saying, This is what your slave did to me, his anger burned. So Joseph's master took him and put him into the jail, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in the jail. But the Lord was with Joseph and extended kindness to him and gave him favor in the sight of the chief jailer. The chief jailer committed to Joseph's charge all the prisoners who were in the jail, so that whatever was done there, he was responsible for it. The chief jailer did not supervise anything under, under Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him and whatever he did, the Lord made it to prosper. So as I've been saying, one of the things that's really stood out to me as I've read this passage is the integrity of, Rose, of Joseph, sorry, um, of Joseph. And it's the integrity despite not having much power. And on the one hand, you could think Joseph does have power in that He's been put in charge of Potiphar's household, but compared to Potiphar's wife, Joseph isn't powerful. Think about it. She's Egyptian whilst he's a foreigner, and she's free and wealthy whilst he's enslaved and dependent on his masters. Now, the dictionary definition I have here of integrity is the quality of being honest and having strong moral principles that you refuse to change. And I think it's fair to say Joseph showed a lot of integrity. I've got four main points about integrity that I want to focus on today. That's the need for integrity, the source of integrity, the cost of integrity, and the fruit of integrity. So firstly, the need for integrity. And what I mean by that is, why is it so important that Joseph has integrity? 
So wherever Joseph is, he seems to hold like, the welfare of his environment in his hands. He takes God's blessing and favour with him wherever he goes. And people can notice that. Verse 3 tells us that his master saw that the Lord was with him. So Potiphar sees that God is with Joseph, which means that in a sense, Joseph is representing God to Potiphar. It was important for Potiphar to reflect God's character faithfully in his actions and in his behaviour. And I think that's a reminder for us, as God's people, as Christians, that the way we act will shape other people's impression of Jesus for good or for bad. As God's people, we need to be distinct. We need to send people the message that even if we feel weak or powerless, we can still stand up against the corruption of the world. Now, Joseph's purity and integrity is refreshing, and it's such a contrast to what we're used to seeing in the world. It's also such a contrast to what we read last week about Judah, Joseph's brother. So Judah, he used his power and his wealth to quickly gratify his desires without any thought for integrity. While Joseph's true power was his integrity, Judah was quick to judge other people, while Joseph's focus was making sure that he didn't sin himself. We need integrity because we need to give people hope that it's possible not to bow down to the brokenness and corruption of the world. And we need this clear, firm integrity that Joseph showed because sin isn't something that you can play around with. Because Joseph was effectively representing God to Potiphar, he needed to be totally dedicated in his life, in his actions, in his behaviour. And as well as this, we can see that Joseph was given responsibility and influence. Verse 4 says, So Joseph found favour in his sight and became his personal servant. And he made him overseer over his house, and all that he owned he put in his charge. And then verse 6 goes further and says, that with Joseph running things, Potiphar, he didn't concern himself with anything except the food he ate. And I don't blame Potiphar, I think I'd always want to say over what I'm having for tea. But the thing is, Joseph has really been trusted with a lot. And near enough, everything in Potiphar's house has been left in Joseph's care. And since Joseph has been given this responsibility, it's essential that he uses it well. As we go on further through the book of Genesis in this series, we'll see that the influence and the responsibility that Joseph has is only going to increase. It's almost like Joseph's time in Potiphar's house is a, a training ground for Joseph to, in a very painful way, cultivate integrity within himself. It's like Jesus says in the New Testament, one who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. One who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. So we need to be faithful over whatever God has made us responsible for. We need to be good stewards and we need integrity for that. So the next point I want to look at is the source of integrity. So what I mean by that is where did Joseph's integrity come from? Was it something that he just conjured up within himself? No, it came from what he valued because the way we act shows what we really value what we really want and what we really believe. Verses 8 and 9 show us that at the heart of Joseph's integrity was his desire to honour those that he was in relationship with. Specifically in this context, Joseph wanted to honour God and he wanted to honour Potiphar. So Joseph acknowledges that 
Potiphar has trusted him with great responsibility and influence. And that if he was to sleep with Potiphar's wife in response to the way Potiphar has trusted him, that would truly be a great evil, as Joseph says himself. So in a sense, Joseph's integrity came from his desire to honour Potiphar. But on a deeper level, Joseph's integrity, it came from his love for God. When Potiphar's wife says to Joseph, lie with me, he says, how could I do this great evil and sin against God? Now you might expect that Joseph would say, how can I do this great evil and sin against Potiphar? But no, he says, sin against God. I think it's worth trying to understand what's going on in Joseph's mind here. Primarily, he thought sin was first and foremost going against God. God was Joseph's starting point. Joseph's greatest issue with sin seemed to be that he was going against God. Joseph recognised that God deserves to be our highest priority. God created all there is, and there would be no breath in our lungs without him. So God deserves to be our highest priority. Also, the way that Joseph uses that phrase, sin against God, rather than just sin against Potiphar, it shows us that Joseph thought sinning against a human being was sinning against God. And I think we see this principle throughout the Bible, that the way we treat other people really reflects how we feel about God. So 1 John chapter 4, verse 20 says, Those who say, I love God, and hate their brothers or sisters, are liars. For those who do not love a brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. So the way we treat other people reflects how we feel about God. Now Joseph's example, it shows us what it truly means to live for God's glory. And ultimately the source of his integrity, of his holiness, was his love for God. And if we try and just make ourselves good without a genuine love for God and a hunger for God, our efforts will fail. It was Joseph's love for God that enabled him to have that true power that came from his integrity, even though it might have been easy for Joseph to feel powerless in the situation he was in. Now, the next point is the cost of integrity. It costs Joseph a lot to show integrity. Now, ultimately, in this passage, we see that Joseph actually suffers for doing the right thing. Maybe a lot of people can relate to that. He suffers for showing integrity. Now, Joseph is falsely accused and he's imprisoned. But maybe this wouldn't have happened if Joseph had just gone along with what Potiphar's wife had wanted. Potiphar's wife only made the false accusation against Joseph when it became clear that Joseph wasn't backing down. He wasn't going to move from his principles. He wasn't going to sleep with her. And it's at that point that she makes this accusation. And... The thing is, Potiphar had clearly thought a lot of Joseph to to trust him with all the responsibility that he gave him. But because of the lies of Potiphar's wife, because of the way she abused her power, Joseph's reputation and his standing before Potiphar are totally ruined. Now, when Potiphar is fed all these lies from his wife, Potiphar, it says that his anger burned. And he might have thought... Upon hearing this, after all I've trusted you with Joseph, how could you do this to me? How could you, you know, effectively try and rape my wife, which is the way that she had made it out? So Joseph has lost this good standing with Potiphar. He's thrown into jail. 
even though he's not done anything wrong, he's actually gone out of his way to try and do the right thing, to show integrity. When the wrong people have power, doing the right thing can get you into trouble. Joseph goes through unjust suffering. And as horrible as that is, we shouldn't really be surprised at this. Because the Bible shows us that suffering for doing good is a common experience for God's people. And the Bible deals with this kind of experience. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 14 says, Even if you suffer for doing the right thing, for doing good, if suffering should be God's will, that is better than suffering for doing evil. So there was a cost to Joseph's integrity, but the cost was worth it. The price we might pay for integrity is worth it when we compare it with the damage that we'll do to ourselves and to others if we give in to sin. Jackie Hill Perry says, sin can bleed into every part, choking out anything holy. So sin is serious and it's worth being radical and even suffering, if that's what it takes, in our fight against sin and injustice. Now, the next point I want to make is the fruit of Joseph's integrity. What was the fruit that eventually came about? So God eventually takes the cost of Joseph's integrity, the way that he suffered, and he uses it for good. What looked just like cost and suffering eventually turns into good fruit and breakthrough. The cost of Joseph's integrity was him being imprisoned. But God is still at work in the jail that Joseph goes to. And he will eventually use Joseph's imprisonment to bring about good. We're told that when Joseph is put in this jail, from verse 21 onwards it describes what happens. It says, God gave Joseph favour in the sight of the chief jailer and that the Lord causes everything Joseph does there to prosper. So Joseph's imprisonment actually takes the blessing of God to places where it wasn't beforehand. It takes the blessing of God to this jail. And that's through Joseph's suffering. But what's even more significant than what happens in the jail is the way that this imprisonment ultimately fits into God's plan. Those of us who know the story of Joseph will know that it's through Joseph being thrown into jail where the king's prisoners are that he eventually meets the king's servants and then goes on to meet Pharaoh, the king of Egypt himself. And he makes quite an impression on Pharaoh. Through going to jail, Joseph ends up in the long run having much more influence and authority than he had before being imprisoned. So God he uses everything that Joseph goes through to accomplish his plans. So that as we'll see later in the book of Genesis, Joseph can eventually use the influence and authority that he has in Egypt to, to save the people of Israel from famine. What looked just like cost and suffering eventually turns into good fruit and breakthrough. But the thing is, we're talking about major events in Joseph's life just through reading a handful of pages in our Bibles. But the reality is that's not how Joseph experienced his life. It didn't just go neatly from one key point to the next. When Joseph was going through this, it would have been extremely painful. And in the gaps between the suffering and the breakthrough that later came, there was likely a lot of mundane plodded on with perseverance. And that's often how it is for us. It might take a very long time for us to eventually see what the good fruit that comes from our integrity actually is. Like with Joseph, 
For us, our lives aren't just a series of major events that we can clearly find meaning in. It's about everyday existence. It's about getting up, cracking on, moving forward, doing the right thing and trying to honour God, even if it seems like nothing good is coming from it. We need to trust that God is at work in our circumstances throughout all the chaos that can go on in our lives. And it's in those times of suffering that God often brings about the greatest breakthroughs. The death and resurrection of Jesus is the clearest example of this. Like Joseph, Jesus was falsely accused. But more than that, though he was perfect, he was brutally killed and he died a criminal's death. Jesus' followers may have felt that there was no hope left at that point, but it was in Jesus' death and in the resurrection that followed that the ultimate victory was achieved. Jesus took the punishment for our sin. He defeated death and he brought us to life. So when you feel hopeless, like Joseph might have done when he was thrown into jail, when you're tempted to feel that integrity just isn't worth it, trust that God is at work. Romans 8 verse 28 says, God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. That's all things, both the good and the bad. So how should we respond to a passage like this? I think we can learn from Joseph's example that integrity is worth it no matter what the cost is. Joseph was facing a lot of pressure from Potiphar's wife. And in the end, he physically fled from her to get out of that situation. In a similar way for us, there might be certain contexts that we have to completely remove ourselves from at times because we know they aren't going to do us any good in the long run. It might mean not spending extended periods of time with people that are a bad influence on us. It might even mean not watching certain things on telly that are going to set you off in certain thought processes. Or it might mean not taking part in certain conversations when everyone's gossiping or whatever it is. Integrity and pursuing integrity is going to look slightly different for each of us, depending on our circumstances. But we can put things in place in our lives that gear us towards taking the right steps. There might be some of us that just feel weary, like we have been doing the right thing, trying to honour God, but you might feel like it's just too hard, like there's just too much pressure. You might have been excluded and pushed out by certain people just for trying to do the right thing. And I think there's a simple call to perseverance for us in this passage through focusing on the truth. We can't see the full picture yet, but we can trust that God is at work in our circumstances, in the circumstances that his people are going through. 